0: Good morning, good afternoon, happy Friday to all our listeners, no matter where you are in this world. Welcome to Feel the Heat, episode two, where it's about to get uncomfortable with our takes on what's happening in sports. I'm your host, Dave, along with my co-host, Webb.
1: How's it going, everyone?
0: We thank you for listening to our our first show. Got some good feedback from you guys. Thank you for submitting your questions. As promised, we will answer your questions. Um, Here at Feel the Heat, we back up our takes with facts, numbers, but as Kyle mentioned before, facts and stats don't always tell the whole story. Everyone has an opinion, but everyone doesn't back it up with facts. So feel free to send us your questions or topics that you would like us to cover at anchor.fm forward slash heat slash message. Again, that's at anchor.fm heat forward slash message. But uh, Kyle, before we jump in today, um, let me just say this real quick. This morning I was reading an article, and I know we really didn't talk about this, but it kind of bothers me, from Bleacher Report by Andy Bailey. Um, And he wrote an article that had Dwight Howard in the top 50 players of all time. And he was number 26. And all I can say is, Dwight Howard hasn't had that many great seasons after he left the Magic. He hasn't really been anything close to great after his career there. And he used three metrics, the box plus, um, plus minus, and the win share minutes, and the per uh, game per minute uh, metrics to measure these players' greatness. And I think that's one of the craziest ways to measure someone's greatness. I mean, of course, you're going to get favorable numbers if they um, had a shorter career and, and were really great at the time, but it doesn't really tell the whole story. So I have to Give Mr. Bailey a thumbs down on that report. I mean, we could talk more about it later. Um, maybe our next episode, but I just think that was kind of crazy. Do you think Dwight Howard's a top 50 player of all time? Of all time? Of all no. time. No. Absolutely no. not. Mr. Bailey, I feel like, lost his credit. But like I said, there's just something that we don't have time to get into today. I know that's a good debate there. Um and we're going to move forward today. So we're going to cover um, the NCAA. This is something that um, it is a good question. Should Jim Harbaugh be fired if he doesn't beat Ohio State this year? Kyle, go ahead and take over.
1: Um, The short answer is yes, I believe so. And I believe so because as of right now, uh, Jim Harbaugh is 0-4 against Ohio State. And he's 1-9 against top 10 teams. I mean, Jim Harbaugh was brought in to change Michigan and get back to that winning culture. I mean, they are having successful seasons. They are having good defenses. But when it comes time to get into the playoffs, they can't get over that hump. When it comes time to beat big teams like Ohio State and win the Big Ten, they can't get over that hump. So I think yes after this, after this season if they don't beat Ohio State he should be fired and this year especially considering that Urban Meyer is gone they have a new coach and they have uh, Ohio State at home this year so the chips are really stacked in Michigan's favor even though they lost Rashawn Gary Chase Winovich and their pass rush will be significantly weaker, I, I imagine this year. But still, but still good. Jim Harbaugh always puts pretty good defenses on the field. I think this year's the year for Michigan to do it. And if he can't do it, I think he should be gone.
0: I think that's a tough take. Um, what, what, what you're saying is, I think a lot of Michigan fans feel that way because they want to win. And, you know, especially with this generation, we want to win now. We want our teams to win now. We don't want to wait. But um, to, to, to ask the question, should he be fired if he doesn't beat Ohio State is very, very vague to me. Uh, for example, let's take this into consideration. If Michigan wins 11 games or 12 games and they and they lose to Ohio State and that's their only loss, is that a valid reason to fire him? Because if he wins 11 or 12 games, it's most likely he's going to take his team to the Big um, the, the Big Ten Championship and win that, as well as um, have a um, a bid in for the college football playoff first. So is that worth firing him? I mean, like you said, he does have really good defense. But at the same time, if you have a coach that gets you that close, you want to fire him and start all over and maybe rebuild and then Maybe lose some of your your top recruits to your com- Ohio State or Michigan State. I'm, I mean, what you're saying is very valid, but I mean, I don't I don't know. I'm not sure if that would be the reason I would fire Jim Harbaugh. Now you have to take into consideration also that he played quarterback there and he's from um, Ann Arbor, so he has a little bit of a of, of an advantage there. I think if Michigan fires Jim Harbaugh, it won't be because he lost to Ohio State. Unless he gets blown out, then maybe that's different. But if they do fire him, I think it'll be because his his team falls into a scandal.
1: Also, he's one and nine against the top teams.
0: That's that's a good point to make. I but if they haven't done it yet, I don't think they're gonna do it this year, unless they fall into a scandal or the team drops uh to like six wins or something ridiculous like that. But what you said is is very valid. I just don't think from Michigan's uh, athletic director, their athletic program standpoint, they would fire him over that one game if they got into a college football uh, playoff berth if they lost to Ohio State. Now, if they lose to Ohio State and then they get a a, a college football playoff berth and they lose um, a playoff round, then maybe, yeah, they will fire him. But I'm, I'm just not sure.
1: I just don't see how okay, Ohio State has a new coach a transfer quarterback with no experience in Michigan system. If Jim Harbaugh gets out coached by Ryan day, like he got out coached in recent memory by urban Meyer. I think, I think Michigan should let him go. I think Michigan should let him go. And
0: that's a very good possibility. I mean, like I said, with, with this generation, people want to win and they, and they want to win now. Um, He's kept Michigan at a, a competitive level, but like you said, sometimes you know losing to that same team over and over, a, a program is not going to put up with that. If you can't um, end Ohio State's dominance over you. Then we have a problem, and we may have to look into uh, other ways to solve it. So you do have a valid point. That's a that's a good point. And um, go ahead. Go like ahead. I
1: said before, th- this year is the opportune time considering. With the exit of Urban Meyer, a transfer transfer quarterback, a new offensive coordinator. I mean, it doesn't get better than that. Like, this is their chance. This is their time.
0: I believe so, too. That's um, the reason I put them in for the college football playoff berth um, last last episode, if you remember. Just because I believe this is Michigan's time. I believe that they're going to have another top five defense again this year. I think their offense is going to be better, but they have to have consistent uh, consistency from offense. Their offense hasn't been in the top 50 um, rankings once since Jim Harbaugh has been there. I think it was just one time. They they were like number 48, which is unacceptable. You're not going to be able to win a championship with a offense that's a number 48 when Clemson and Alabama year after year are in the top five. So he has to figure out a way to have um, ignited light under his offense and make them competitive on, bo- on both sides of the ball in order to win a championship. And I think this is their time to do it to win a championship, at least compete for one, actually get to the playoffs, this is their time. If they don't do that, then Jim Harbaugh may be in trouble.
1: Right. I agree.
0: So we're going to move forward. Um, we got a question from Josh from Romeo, and his question was for Kyle, and they wanted to know, why did you pick Georgia over Michigan to get a college football playoff berth?
1: And I found this question kind of interesting, actually, because when you think about Georgia and you think about Alabama being the top talent in college football, who in the SEC other than Georgia is really equipped to even beat Alabama other than Georgia?
0: Seriously, Florida. Come on now. Uh, you know how I feel about Florida. I feel that, that Georgia just is embarrassed, has been embarrassing in the last few seasons. So, uh, they're similar. That rivalry is similar to the Michigan and Ohio State. So, I, I don't think that Florida is the answer in the SEC. Yeah.
1: That's why I was saying Georgia is the answer. I mean, Jake Fromm, Jake Fromm is good, but he's got to throw for more than 2,700 yards. But thirty-two. but – 30 uh, thirty touchdowns, he's got to have more. I'm expecting more. And they still have a very reliable running back in DeAndre Swift, 1,000-yard rusher, 10 touchdowns, 6 yards per carry. But the biggest concern for me is them losing all their receivers. They lost everyone. However, they still return most of their offensive line, which is basically the best in the SEC. So I'm not concerned about. I'm not really concerned about the offensive line. Basically, I'm predict. I'm predicting worst case scenario nine and three. Best case scenario eleven and one for them. Okay. But other than but better than Michigan, they're way better than Michigan. They got a better running back. Michigan, they're at running back. They're at a question mark right now. They don't. They don't really know. Don't really know. Higdon's gone. They thought it was going to be Chris Evans, but I think he's facing some academic problems. If I'm correct, but he's not going to he's not going to play. But the
0: only concern and, uh, that's for about Michigan, they haven't had a, a a consistent offensive game, which concerns me. But if they can actually use you know um, Nico Collins and DPJ and have Dre um, Patterson uh, actually be consistent um from the quarterback position and their offensive line is is, is okay but they have other pieces that aren't that great which concerns me but if they can compete they could win the big 10 I think that uh Michigan will get a bid in there but I mean we shall see the season um is underway as of tomorrow and uh uh, Michigan plays next week but it doesn't really get heated until a couple weeks you know how that stuff goes um so I think that uh, Georgia is a good pick. I'm, I'm not denying it. I was just shocked that you actually picked uh, Georgia. And I think that was a good question from Josh. Um, and I hope, Josh, um, I hope you got your question answered. Thank you for stopping by and uh, sending that question in. We appreciate your feedback. And this is the, another question we have. Should This is from Chauncey from Orlando. Um, he wants to know, should athletes have to sit one year when they transfer schools and my answer is just no I'm not going to go into depth with it but um, coaches don't have to sit out a year when they decide to coach elsewhere and neither should student athletes Um, if I don't like the program that I'm at if I feel the program doesn't have an academic program that I will be successful in and I want to transfer and I do that in a timely manner I should be able to go anywhere without sitting a year without going through the appeals process. Because if a coach is allowed to be on a four year, five year contract and in year three decide he's gonna leave somewhere else for a better coaching job with and he he's not gonna be penalized for that, neither should student athletes. And and that's just my answer.
1: Right. Uh I don't think so either. It's a complete no for me. From me, I think it uh I think it's messing with the player's future really. I mean for example, if you take a guy like Jalen Hurts, uh, when Tua Tagovailoa came in and just took over the game and won the won the Natty for them, and took Jalen Hurts' starting spot, I mean that put Jalen Hurts in a real tough spot, leading him to transfer to Oklahoma. And I don't think he should sit. I don't. I don't think there should be a rule that he has to sit because he's playing to try not. to get to the next level.
0: Exactly. And at the end of the day, it's about the future of these student athletes. Most of these student athletes are young men between the ages 18 and 22, 23 years old. So they, you have to give them the opportunity to um, do what they feel is best for them at the time and not what's best for the school. So the school is more concern, concerned about the money that they're getting for these athletes being there. I mean, yeah, they're paying for the athlete scholarships, but... You know, if you can keep keep, uh, top uh, recruits at your school, you got um, more money coming in and you could compete um, for different titles and championships. But at the end of the day, a lot of these athletes are promised a lot of things when they go to these schools. Um, And when they get there, they see the reality of it or they don't fit in the the actual scheme of offense or defense and they lose their confidence. So they want to go somewhere else. They should be allowed to do that without sitting a year. That's just just absolutely ridiculous. The coaches don't have to do it. Neither should the student athletes. And, and we'll leave it at that. Right. Um. Also today, breaking. This is breaking news for the NFL. Um, the second appeal for AB and his helmet drama um, has went through, and the judges have listened to um, arbitration has listened to what. He had to say about his special helmet that he needs, and I'm not sure if it's gonna go through, but uh, we should find out soon. So, with that being said, this is a question from Chris, um, out of Daytona Beach, and he wants to know how do we feel about AB? Is he covering up his foot injury with the helmet drama? What is really going on? So, I think, um, and this is just my opinion because we don't have any inside network to. What's really going on with A.B.? But I find it funny that the show HBO Hard Knocks is filming the Raiders this season. Um, and they and then now you have all this drama with Brown. I mean, he's been uh, traded there. Um, now he had the foot injury and, and the helmet dilemma. And it's just a bunch of drama. And he could be. Now, this is just my opinion. I have no inside information. He could be using hard knocks um, to create more drama, especially for the show, especially to, uh, to gain more viewers um, if the team does well. And if he plays well, it could create a, a storyline to go on throughout the, the league for, uh, for the rest of the year. Right now, all eyes are on AB, and I don't really think there's really a great concern about the type of helmet he uses because if... Um, Arbitration goes ahead and says, you know what? We're not going to allow you to use that helmet. The helmets that we have are more safe for you, for uh, concussions and things of that sort to prevent injuries. I think he's going to play. And I don't think his foot injury is is as bad as some speculate. I believe it's just something that is creating drama because Hard Knocks is filming there. And it's going to give them more viewership and be able to create a storyline for the Oakland Raiders throughout this season and especially because next year they're going to be relocating to Las Vegas. So it's going to give them more drama. I'm not sure how Kyle feels on that so I'll let him chime
1: in. I mean, going back to your point when you said why was Hard Knocks filming the Raiders? I mean, when you look when you take it into consideration of everything that's going on within the team. I mean, yes, AB with his feet and the helmet, but also you had Ronald Ali who was a star on Last Chance You, And you had Richie Incognito With all his drama with Buffalo And uh, Vonte's Perfect With his rough departure From the Bengals I mean there's just so much going on In one place Plus they're moving to Las Vegas Perfect Perfect place for a documentary I mean as far Absolutely. as the foot injury I'm I'm not really Concerned with it I think it's just What it is It's just something that happened but with the helmet, um, I think AB's just being, it, it's just an ego problem. Just because he can. Just because he can. And, Absolutely.
0: And he can draw more attention anytime he says anything about the helmet or the foot.
1: Right. And I'm not, I want people to not think too hard when I say this. But when he makes a big when he puts in another grievance about the helmet one quote comes to memory before he got when uh when he got situated with uh the raiders in the last interview he did he said i want the game but i don't need the game right and i'm not trying to he's a made man yes i'm not trying to say he doesn't love football or he doesn't work hard But when you say stuff like – say stuff like that, like, he can walk away easily. It just – it sits with me different, you know?
0: I agree with you. Uh, It it makes you think, like, I know that you're a made man. I know that you're a superstar. I know that you're one of the best wide receivers in the game right now. And you can change a quarterback's career just because you're that type of playmaker. But, like, where is, you know – where is that guy who was still humble? Like, you're, you're, like you said, his ego has gotten to him. And if somebody feels like they can live, they already made their money, they can live without playing football, there's no telling really what they can do. But I still feel like there's part of um, AB that wants to prove all his doubt is wrong and say, oh, well, you know what? Derek Carr isn't as great as, as Roethlisberger, and I agree. Um, but at the same point, Derek Carr has never had an elite wide receiver and that could change his career um, with AB we shall see I think that AB wants to prove everybody in Pittsburgh wrong that he feels is wishing bad on him and just anybody in general so whether he gets the approval of the helmet or not I think he will play um, but I'm not sure okay Moving forward, um, Odell Beckham opens up about his trade to Cleveland, and he was quoted saying, "They sent me here to die." What they did was personal, and they sent me here to die. I'll let Kyle go ahead and take that on.
1: I mean, I don't think it was. I don't think it was per. I think it was personal. I think Odell made it personal. Within himself, I think he's having an internal confliction. And Stephen A. Smith said it perfectly. He reported it days ago on First Take, and I'm gonna I'm gonna echo it because it's I I I feel like it's true. It's not that it, the the problem is not that he's playing for the Cleveland Browns. The problem is that he's playing in Cleveland. Like he doesn't want to be in Cleveland. It's not that he's playing for the Browns. It's that he's in Cleveland.
0: Right. I mean, really, who goes to Cleveland to vacation? LeBron's not there no more. So, you know, but maybe, you know, Odell can change that whole aspect there. I mean, Cleveland's in the Midwest. It gets uh, freezing cold there. As you know, It's just, it starts getting cold in October. And, and when it snows, it seems like it doesn't stop until April. So, uh, I mean, he only has to be in Cleveland for the season. And uh, I don't know if I agree with uh, Stephen A. or not. I feel like the, 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 the Giants did send him to the worst team that they could possibly think. But you have to think that they had an um, okay season last year, and they were only going to get better. Adding Odell Beckham to a roster with Jarvis Landry and, um, um, and Chubbs and, and Baker Mayfield... That's a really win for Odell. He should be happy that he was sent there. I know he feels why the Giants sent him there was to kill off his career. But you got to think, Odell, you're 26 years old. And you're one of the most effective weapons in the NFL. In 59 career starts, he's caught 390 passes for 5,467 yards and 44 touchdowns. And over 16 game seasons, those numbers translate to an average of 100 and five receptions for 1,485 yards and 11 scores. And Eli so, Manning Odell, was
1: his quarterback.
0: Yeah, Eli Manning was his quarterback, and uh, I'm not big on Eli Manning. I feel like, you know, he he uh. has definitely declined over the years. He has definitely declined over the years, and uh, I think Odell has a right to feel that way, but... They may have just done something for his career that saved it because with Eli Manning declining and we don't really know um, the whole quarterback situation with the Giants going into the future, who they're going to keep, who they're not going to keep. This was the better deal for Odell. So he should take it, be happy, move forward, dominate and make make them remember you. Make them remember your greatness, but uh, I, I think that it was personal. Uh, some of it was business, but a lot of it was personal.
1: See, that's and that's, that's the that's the part I don't get though. If it was personal, why would they send him to succeed? Like, you're sending him to young ascending talent. Like, I don't. That's the yeah, part where I don't get where. It'd be. Unless somebody, when- unless they just weren't thinking about it. Or they didn't know what what the Browns could be or do?
0: I think that they felt like the Browns was beneath them. Uh, the Giants as an organization. I mean, when has the Browns really had a, a good season? Like, when has anybody really believed in them? Did anybody believe in them last year? Not really.
1: 2002, I believe, uh, was the last year they made the
0: playoffs. Right. So, let's, let's what, seven, 17 years. And they haven't really had much success they don't have great success with quarterbacks and I think that the Giants used you know their research and, and their opinions about um Cleveland and they did try to do it to make his career worse than what it could have been if he would have stayed with the Giants and had a, um, a decent quarterback but we don't never know I mean we're not in the front office we're just spectators just like everybody else. Um, But Odell, I think, is going to do really great in Cleveland, especially uh, with the weapons that's surrounded around him. And he should just move forward from it. I mean, anybody ask him a question about that whole ordeal, he should be like, you know what, look, I'm in Cleveland. I'm in a new part of my life, and this is where I'm going to go from here. Uh, You got Kareem Hunt. He's on an eight-game suspension as well in the backfield. And when he comes back, he's going to also – make that whole offensive more diverse. So, can't wait for that. Uh, I can't wait to see what Cleveland does. I have really high expectations for them, but only time will tell. And we got to move forward from that. We got to move forward from that. So we're going to ho- go ahead and jump into the NBA, some of the latest news going on. I'm not sure if any of you guys seen it, but the last few days there have been many opinions on whether or not double teams should be allowed in pickup ball. This came up after Devin Booker, was double teamed and complained about it. Devin Booker has one of the highest, if not the highest, double team percentage in the NBA. At eleven percent of his possessions, he's double teamed. Uh, Kyle, go ahead. Yeah. So
1: uh, him, Ben Simmons, and a couple other NBA players were playing a pickup game, and he got doubled, and he didn't. He didn't. He didn't like it because obviously, like you said. His double team rate during the NBA season is so high. I don't think I don't think double teams should be allowed in pickup games anyway. P- pickup games are fun but competitive, but basically for fun and getting better and working on your skills. And I feel like you as a defender, if you can't defend the guy in front of you, work on your defense in pickup. You
0: know, I feel um, I feel a little bit different. Um, I think I'm... that. Go ahead.
1: No, I, I was going to say I imagined you would.
0: I just feel a little bit different. I just think that if um, you're playing pickup ball, I mean, just think about it. These are NBA players, so they they should know how and um, where to move the ball when they're being double-teamed because you can get open again. But he sees so many double-teams that this should help him work on his game in the future when he's actually playing in a a professional game. Um, And you know when you're playing 21 and you have 19 points, you have game, and you're playing with five or six other people, you're guarded by five or six people. So, I mean, Devin Booker, he just has to – has to get over it. And I, I, I agree with Gilbert arenas and this is what Gilbert arenas had to say. And I'll read some of what he said from a, a killer to the future. If you want to be an all-star, then your complaint is correct. But if you want to be a superstar, accept all the double teams and pick up and you demand double teams and in, in pick up in the NBA. So you should be offended when you don't get double team and pickups. And the reason is if you get double team in the NBA, how dare some pickup ball cats, don't respect your game enough to double you. So I, I agree with him from that standpoint. Um, Devin Booker just got to go out there and get the bucket. I mean, he's a walking bucket. He dropped 70 points in Boston, and he was very – he looked very uh, good doing it. It looked like it came to him easy. So I think that he can handle the double team. I know it gets frustrating because you're like, man, I'm just trying to get a shot off. Or you like you said, I'm just trying to get this working, but – if you can't get that work in off of pickup ball, cats, then – I mean, cats that are not even in the league. I think Ben Simmons was there. I'm not sure whoever else. I think Joaquin Noah was there. But he's not even in the league right now. And I couldn't make out the faces that guarding him. But, uh, you know, Devin Booker, I think double teams are fine in pickup ball. It's annoying. Is it annoying? Hell yeah. But, you know, I think it's fine.
1: I mean, like I, like I said, I think Pickle's just for fun – double teams are I, I just don't see why I mean unless like you said uh, well here I'll use an example like somebody who can't dribble if they dribble to the corner obviously that's barbecue chicken so that should be a double team take the ball but just the double team to stop somebody from scoring just cause you, the guy that's on them can't guard them that's weak in a pickup game but that's yeah. just my opinion
0: but yeah, yeah you haven't got a point. Got a point. Um, but double teams they happen all the time. they I think they're they're annoying, but uh, they help you improve your game. So he can use that and and go from there. I mean a lot of people disagreed. I mean a lot of people agreed with him, a lot of people was just like, you know what, take the double team, but um the likes like Kevin Durant and a couple other players are just like, you know what? Yeah, Kevin in on Twitter. Team. Yeah, there should never be a double team on um, a pickup ball, but that's just what we have there. Moving forward, um, should Mark Cuban trade for CP3? No. No, I agree, absolutely not.
1: However, I would however, I'll say no I'm going to say no overall, but for the specific reason that they want to, I'd say maybe. I'd say maybe. The the uh the condition that the Mavericks said that they would consider trading for Chris Paul is if they start start off the season in playoff contention. I mean, you look at JJ Barea, uh ten points per game, two rebounds, five assists, and he he's coming off in a uh, an Achilles tear. I mean, if you want to make a playoff push, grabbing Chris Paul before the trade deadline. I mean, it might, it might work out. It might work out.
0: Yeah. I
1: have the the cap space and by time, uh, the Mavericks would have to, uh, max out Luka Doncic. Chris Paul's, uh, contract would be off the books.
0: I mean, I don't think that, that Mark Cuban should trade for CP3. Uh, The the Mavs would have to give up too much for Paul. And you know, Oklahoma City is looking to rebuild, so they're just not going to take any type of player. They're going to want some type of centerpiece of young talent. I mean, they're not going to want J.J. Barea in Oklahoma City. They're not going to want anybody off the bench who's not a contributor because they're trying to rebuild.
1: I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry, but I forgot to mention this. Uh, They were proposing uh, Courtney Lee. And uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. in a first round pick
0: See if that was something And it could work out I think Oklahoma City Would take that because you you know Courtney Lee he's um, he's, a, he's a good player he's not great But he's a good piece to have and you have Tim Hardaway whose um, game is Evolving right now Tim Hardaway Jr. Excuse me and That's not giving up too much But if you get into Hey I want somebody better uh, It ain't gonna happen sir it's just not gonna happen Uh, Right now, the Mavs, they're young, they're athletic, they run the floor, they can score. Um, So they have just about every piece they need to compete. Why would you go and give up your centerpieces for Chris Paul? It's just not logical if you want to compete in the West, especially being that the West is so tough and stacked right now. Um, And I think that, you know, as OKC is looking to rebuild, they can find somebody else to trade. Chris Paul if they if they want to go that route. Now, the last report I heard is that OKC wants Chris Paul to stay in Oklahoma uh, to help their young athletes and to be like a mentor. At this point in his career, he, you know, Chris, you should consider it. He should consider it. I don't really see him being a great asset to any team right now. I mean, he was good in Houston. I just don't... I've never really been that that big on Chris Paul. I mean, I haven't really been that big on him and I know that a lot of people say I'm wrong, but really, what has he done? He's a great defender for his position to be his size, but really, what has he done? He never did anything when he was with the Clippers. Um, He's made some all-star appearances, things of that sort, but can, can he go to a team right now who needs a point guard and make them a contender for a championship? Maybe. See, I don't need maybe. a maybe on my team. I don't need a maybe. I need a definite.
1: You know? He's not elite. He's not elite like that anymore. You know that. We both know that. I mean, fifteen, four, and eight last season. That's that's not that's not worth three years, 124 million.
0: Absolutely not. So, you know what? Okay, see, you call me and you want one of my young players? You could keep Pierce Paul in that contract. I'm not paying him that much money. And he can't stay healthy. That's his problem in his career. He can't stay healthy. He's always injuring his leg, breaking a hand, or whatever he does. You know, he doesn't finish seasons. And it's cost him, it's cost some of his teams um, a run at championships because he can't stay healthy. As great as a player he is, people measure him out to be. I mean, I I hear that. He's a nice guy and all that stuff, but hey, nice doesn't get it done.
1: That's that's why I was saying in the beginning, in the long run, no, but for a deep playoff push, maybe.
0: Maybe. That's a possibility. It just depends on what you have to give up. That's all.
1: Yeah. But for Courtney Lee, Tim Hardaway Jr. in a first-round pick, I mean, they're not really giving up too much. I mean, Courtney Lee only averaged four points last season. They're not giving up too much.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. But, uh, you know, Tim Tim Hardaway, like Junior, his game is still evolving. And if he comes out and has a a really nice season and he's being consistent, he would not be on my trade block. Not for Chris Paul. So we have another question. This is also from Chris from Daytona. And he wants to know, what do we think about Carmelo Anthony not playing in the NBA? Is he being blackballed?
1: yes yes I 100% agree and I agree because I feel like I can name at least 10 people in the NBA who should not be in the NBA there's too many people in the NBA who suck and I don't think it's fair that Carmelo can't find a job but at the same time it's kind of his own fault. I mean, he his ego, it's a, it's an ego thing. I, it's an ego thing, but I think he's starting to come around, but he's not quite there. You know what I mean?
0: Right, right, right. So, it's very a tough uh, situation. At first, I thought, you know, Mello is being blackballed because like you said, there's dozens of athletes that are in the NBA right now who we know is not better than Melo.
1: For
0: sure, They don't score. I mean, he's one of the game's greatest scorers that we've ever seen. I mean, he came into the league as an elite scorer, went into New York, and, and he, he torched it up in New York. I'm not going to take away from what Melo's game is. But with the way the game is being played right now, I don't think it's so much of a thing that Melo's being blackballed. He, like I said, he's a prolific scorer. He's one of the best scorers we've seen. But he has not been a great defender over his span of his career. And the the pace that the game is at right now requires you not only to be a good scorer, but you need to be able to play defense. And if you look at some of those people that we may name on the list that Melo should be on, they, they're okay defenders. Melo's not even an okay defender. He's slow on his feet when he's defending. And being that he was so good and played in Denver and New York and played around with different vets who were great defenders – He was able to hide his slack in defense. Now, I'm not saying that's the reason he shouldn't be on a team, but that's my reason thinking that he's not being blackballed. I mean, he's never been a premier two-way player in the league, ever. You know, and like I said, he was able to hide his defensive struggles in New York and Denver because he was such a great scorer. And when you do one thing so great, people aren't going to look at your flaws. They're going to be like, you know— we're going to talk about, you know, Melo dropped 30, Melo dropped 35 and had 10 boards or something like that. But he really, his 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 defensive struggles is what's keeping him out of the game, especially because so many teams are going small ball and push, push, push. And you know that Melo can't guard a lot of these threes and fours that are in the league this year. Like he, he's not going to be able to check Durant or um, Giannis or anything, any of those guys like that. They're, they're too fast. They're too athletic. And I think maybe um, for a late playoff push, a team may find him and put him on just for scoring reasons. But he has to be willing to and know that you're not coming in here to start. I mean, you're not coming in here to get 30 minutes off the bench. I mean, we need you for 10, 15 points, 10, 15 minutes. Um, So I just think that uh, if someone who wants somebody right now who just can score and they say, hey, we got enough defenders where we can cover up where he slacks on defense then he'll find a job. But until a team comes around and says he's worth it, then he's still going to be without a job.
1: Yeah, I get it. I just feel like the system, I feel like if he got, if he went to a better system, it might be better because in Houston, obviously behind the scenes, Chris Paul and James Harden had stuff going on that hadn't been reported yet that came out late. I, 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 it was it was a narrative that Carmelo got scapegoated out of Houston, which I agree with,
0: and I think so too. I think he did too. It wasn't just a Carmelo problem in Houston; it was just a Houston basketball. First of all, um, their coach is not he's he's not even a great defensive coach. So that problem where Mellow didn't fit into their defense—that's bullcrap because he he's not a defensive minded coach. He's never been. He's a he's a score, a scoring coach. He likes to put up points. So yeah, you're right. That narrative that he was a scapegoat, that's that's complete bullcrap. But that's not reason he that's not the reason he's being blackballed. I think uh or that people think he's being blackballed. I think I think it's more sober reason that we have to find the right fit, like you said, the right um the team, right system. The right system that will allow him uh to score. He's a spot up shooter, he's an isolation player so that wasn't a the problem there and it wasn't a problem in OKC either OKC they just had too many isolation players it wasn't enough ball movement which is why it didn't work out with Paul George Russell and Melo
1: right
0: so as we wrap up today we want you guys taking into consideration everything we talked about if you don't disagree if you get, if you disagree Or you agree with something? Let us know. Send in your questions. Um, We'll be here. We'll be back Tuesday. This is second episode. We're so excited for this weekend as it kicks off NCAA football weekend. Miami versus uh, Florida. You know who I got? Miami. You know who Kyle has? Florida. We shall see who's right and who's wrong. It's gonna be a good game. Gonna be a shootout. But let me just remind Kyle this one thing right here: the last ten meetings between Miami and Florida. Miami's 1-7. So, we'll try to make it 11 on Saturday. I can't see you guys making it 4, but we shall see.
1: You said you said in the last 10 meetings?
0: The last 10 meetings between Miami and Florida is 7-3 with Miami in the lead. See, Miami got to let people know that we are the team that invented invented swag at Florida, Florida State, y'all copied us. Now, because of the scandal that we were in in, in, in the early and mid two thousands, we have suffered from that. But now we're getting our swag back. And and you know what? Be 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 on the lookout. Miami's going to they're going to wreck havoc this year. You heard it first.
1: Hey, hey, Dave. Yeah, remember I mean? you. Hey, was it Cam? Was it Cam Newton that got kicked out of Florida for stealing laptops? For stealing laptops.
0: You know, Florida can't even give their players a laptop. Come on, (laughs) man. We we at Miami giving our players Mercedes Benz, taking them on yachts, and Florida can't even give their players a laptop. Come on, man.
1: But, hey. But, all right, y'all. We'll be back Tuesday. It's the Field of Heat podcast. Get with us. Give us your questions.
0: Yep. Thank you for joining. I'm Jay. This is Webb. Yep, we out. Uh, Make sure you send in your questions to... Anchor.fm forward slash feel the heat forward slash message. Again, I'm Dave, and my co-host is Webb. You heard it first. He's taking Florida, but he's laughing at Florida because they can't get their players' laptops. We out today, man.
1: All right, y'all.